The following is a KPB MediaWorks production. Choose your fighter. What's up, guys? This is Rodimus Prime, and we are back for another episode of KPB Cast. Uh, today is an impromptu episode. I didn't know I was going to see him until maybe yesterday. And I want to welcome you guys from Philly. Philly's very own Jumani Haskins, a.k.a. Maestro. What's going on, man? I appreciate you having me. Thank oh, you. Of course, man. Thank you for uh, coming to such short notice and your short availability here. So. Yeah, no problem. I actually didn't have anything planned when I made this trip. So when Ray Chipman was like, yo, you want to do a podcast? I'm like, all right, sure. Um, I'd actually had this booked for a while and forgot about it. Um, because it wasn't tied to like any tournament travel I had right. planned. I was like, all right, fine. Like, I'll go to New York in the fall. And then somebody hit me up. I was like, yo, you want to hang out? I'm like, sure. And then next thing I know, I'm on the website. I'm like, why does it keep saying change an existing booking? I want to make a new. Oh. And I check my email. I'm like, oh, this has been sitting here for a while. <laughs> so I decided I got the time off. Might as well come up, see the homies, and just get into foolishness. Safely, of course. Safely, of course, yeah. Socially um, distanced foolishness. And, and, and again, no judgment. But like, uh, I, and I guess you wasn't thinking about this when you booked it. Mm. So like, you know, COVID season not fun for any of us especially right. to see uh is it just something you just need to get away you just want to get away for a bit it has been um most of the time usually when i'm traveling like now i don't travel too often obviously hmm. um on the few occasions that i do it's always been like for mental health reasons like just to get some time away to right. clear my head um i actually had like a work cycle that was coming up so whenever we jump in, um, we do like a programming cycle that lasts for like a couple weeks. Um, this one was going to be one of our bigger ones. It was going to be our fall after school programming. So this was going to run from October all the way into December. And it was just jam-packed, had a bunch of things lined up. So I'm like, it's going to be a big project. I know I'm going to be home a lot. Let me go out and you know get some time, clear my head before I jump back into it. Because once we start, it's just like high octane, start right. to finish day in day out like i have what i'm doing but because it's online like anything can happen so like you, say we're scheduled you, you to run you need to like just decompress before you jump to all of that exactly and I, and again even with everything that's happened recently it's totally okay to find the safe getaway yeah you know from all the stress that's going on in all of our lives at the same time right now uh so but, but again thank you for coming here in such short notice and in your schedule oh, you know absolutely you know, to just come and shoot the shit with us so to speak um Tell us about Jumani. Tell us about my show. If you, if someone were to describe you to someone coming into the community, what would they say about you? Enigmatic. Very heavy on the charisma now. Mm-hmm. Um, Before I kind of kept more to myself. Yeah. Um, Kind of like a young old head in a sense, uh, just because of my taste in games, what I usually gravitate more towards. Uh, funny and usually just like standing by my people's. Like, if you see me at a major, if you see me at a tournament, you see me at an event, whatever, I'm cool with, like, branching out and making friends. But whenever I step in and I see someone, I'm like, all right, that's my peoples over there. So, like, they know me as, like, the kind of go-to guy. I'm like, if I need something, I got him. Um, If I need to talk, like, old games or if it's, like, some random obscure character interaction that's, like, have you seen this before? I'm like, yes, I don't remember where, but I can break this down. Usually like that. Um, these days, most people just know me for wilding out on Twitter and making jokes, um, <laughs> which is what I spend a good amount of my time doing when I'm not actually playing, yeah. especially now, uh, just sitting at home. All right. Is that anything to do with, uh, uh, the Oval Team Poppy moniker that, uh, that's on your Twitter? Like, <laughs> yes, can, actually. Can you, is that, is that a, a spin of Drake's Champagne Poppy kind of thing? 
Definitely. So the whole Ovaltine Poppy thing happened with one of my friends. Shout out Xanos. Uh, shout out Kendra. She actually roasted me when we were at a we were in an Uber heading to go eat when we were at Evo, and this was twenty eighteen, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember what exactly I said, and then she just wanted she's like Ovaltine complexion ass nigga, and I'm like. Wait, but old team is delicious though. <laughs> and then the light bulb went on. I'm like, hold on, we got something here. <laughs> so I think like the next day I went to like play my polls and I'm just like, all right, <clears throat> I'm just going to change it. Why not? And I made my Twitter handle Ovaltine Poppy and it just took off from there. So now that's my Twitter. That's my Steam. I put like Ovaltine is like my team tag in smash.gg. Okay. So it, just, it shows up everywhere now. Like it's been a running joke and it's kind of become a brand. Hopefully I don't get sued. <laughs> nah, probably. But they probably need the exposure. It's not a big thing here, it's except, not a big thing except if you're from a Caribbean uh, family. I'm, I'm from a Jamaican family, so you know, Ovaltine as a kid always had the glass jar in the house. Mm-hmm. You know that those 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 Sanka rough grains, but they melted into some nice warm milk real quick and it was had the orange milk. lid on it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> See, you know. Yeah, I know. I know definitely. Um, what what about Maestro? How did how did the Maestro moniker? So the Maestro moniker came from one of my friends in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, goes by the name of Rizzo. Uh, known him for a couple of years. We've been playing stuff like Old KOF, um, Street Fighter. He was actually the one of the guys who first got me into playing on like GGPO and all this stuff. He was like, okay, try this out. Like, if you have an interest in Third Strike or interest in ST, um, check this. Because we tried playing Street Fighter Four like um, through. We tried playing it on a console and it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And then when I finally got a 360, his red ring. Oh yeah. And then we tried, you know, playing online. I'm like. What if we tried on PC? My PC couldn't handle it. His could. So we played with like all stages off. Um, so it was just a black screen. I'm like, it works, but this isn't fun. So we had to figure out something else to do. Right. So he got me into playing like Third Strike and ST and Alpha 2. Um, pretty much like all the old classes. We were playing on GGPO and SuperArt. And I remember he like looked at one of the pictures I uploaded on Facebook. And it was just a bunch of hats. Like I was heavy in the snapbacks when mm-hmm. I was younger. And he came and was like, yo, so... What's with all this? Like, you the snapback maestro now? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I guess. And I was like, wait a minute. That kind of has a ring to it. So I figured, why not go with snapback maestro for the tag? And then I eventually dropped snapback around, I want to say 20, like, end of 2012, going into 2013. That's when I dropped it, and it just, just became maestro. Okay. Sounds dope. Sounds dope. Um, you're one of the first Philly heads we've had on the podcast. So... For people that don't know, never been to Philly, never been to the Big E events and stuff, uh, but maybe involved in the fighting community. How how are you guys as a community different from like other communities that you've been around? So Philly is different because we're very we're a smaller community. Um, despite us having you know majors and everything, you know, hosted in our backyard, mm-hmm. um, we're not as like widespread as like New York community would be. Or when they talk about like some of the places in Cali, some of the hotspots over there. Um, but we're very tight knit. Um, we go to bat for each other all the time, even when we're at each other's throats, whether it's arguing about a game or, you know, competitions getting heated, there's rivalry. When it comes down to it, like Philly will support Philly. Like Philly has we have our own back. Like we got each other. Even when people try and seem like it doesn't it's now gotten to the point where we have so many things going on. Like before COVID hit, mm. um, we were having, you know, multiple places doing locals. Um, local hosts was doing stuff. They were having the fighting game tournaments. They were having the reversal, the monthlies, the weekly sessions, all that. 
Um, there were still other people doing stuff like DBFZ guys, Dragon Ball guys that were running their own stuff. Uh, Shadow Royalty had an event they were doing. Um, shout Philly, out to Shadow Royalty. Yeah, shout out to Shadow Royalty. They've been doing great work with um, not just DB, uh, DBZ, but also with Grand Blue. Um, they've been running like online events for that now since everybody's at home. Um, those have been going well. So Philly, like Philly, for the first time, at least from what I'm seeing. It's now we're like becoming more than just Street Fighter and Marvel. Because when I started, that's all that was really there. Right. You know, we had people that played other games. Everybody kind of like dabbled in a little bit of everything. Um, and that goes back from when I started around like 20 into 2010 going into 2011. It was very much a we have people who play everything, but Philly has always been known for Marvel. Like that was that was the big game in Philly where even if you didn't play, you still played a little bit just because right. everybody had it. And I got in, actually, with Street Fighter. So, like a lot of other people, I'm pretty much an 09 -er. Um, Started watching tournaments, you know, 2009, 2010. Got into a SF4. Um, was always in the fighting games. I knew of the community. I knew, like, there had to be a scene for this. I saw some of the stuff that was getting put on YouTube. But it was just, at the time, I was too young to actually go to tournaments. Right. So, it was just me being a stream monster. And then I finally found, like, through an anime group, actually. Um, an anime club that I went to at CCP. Uh, one of those guys told me, oh, like, we play here, um, you know, on, like, Fridays. Like, I go to this spot. And then that's how I met them. They linked up. They played at, like, Temple. And then I know, like, they had Drexel sessions in the summer. So that was really my entrance to the fighting game community was kind of through, like, the anime scene and finding, like, the guys who took it a bit more serious. And they just kind of brought me along. It's always that those, you know, you find a small group that plays casually. Mm -hmm. And then you find one or two heads in the group that's, like, we're a little more serious about it than everybody else. Yeah. And, and then... You find out where they go and then where they get the info. You follow them and then you realize there's a whole other world of people that do it on this level. You know, it's not just like, you know, because the stereotype is like for me growing up, you know, we played in the arcades. It was like us playing and then like the stereotype was the Asians, you know, that yeah. any Asians that knew how to really play like that was like, Yo, you know, I, I used to be told, oh, you play like the Asians, you know, really good. I'm like. I just played the game with that. I'm no, you know, yeah. stop, stop stereotyping. Like, I'm just, I'm playing the game. I'm, you know, doing moves like, all like, they figured if you could do a combo that was more than two, it's like, oh, you play like the Asians. <laughs> yeah. And I'd heard that a few times. Um, I didn't hear it much um, right. just because I kind of missed out on that arcade era. Right. Um, despite having, you know, legendary University Pinball, 40th Street um, in my hometown. 40th Street was wild. Mm -hmm. Um there's a lot of stories that have been shared about the location. For me, it's a bit different because I came into it later. But I would hear, like, the way my brother would talk about it. Like, you know, he'd come from high school. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, we went to 40th Street or whatever after school. And my mom was like, how long did you stay there? Like, make sure you got on the train before it got dark, stuff like that. Because while it wasn't necessarily a bad area, there was a whole bunch of stuff, like, going on. Like, obviously, right. it's it's Philly. There's it's University like, City, but it's Philly. We definitely had the same thing in arcades here, like, when I was growing up. Yeah, there, unfortunately, most arcades do attract some sort of bad element. Right. Um, especially depending on where they are. Uh, I've definitely been in arcades and bodegas when things not so savvy have went down. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's just part of the territory from, of most of us, you know, in our neighborhoods where we grew up. Mm. Um, you you touched on being a young guy. How old are you now? Uh, right now I'm 24. So you were in the community, was it 13? Probably around 13, 14, yes. just getting into, like, really being online, looking at stuff like Shoryuken, like, reading forums, trying to find out where stuff was going on right. in Philly, but not actually being able to go. How how were you when you entered your first local? Or or did you just go into, like, the big scene right away? 
No, so actually, I had gone to a tournament they held at, like, a small little anime convention called Mayhem Madness. Um, I think it was a J1 joint. Okay. And this was 2011. This was, like, late 2011 or early 2012. Hmm. Um, and that was when, like, I first started to, like, go and, like, enter stuff. I think the first actual tournament I entered, like, when I, like, really started playing fighting games was off of a whim. I went to... Uh, in Nochicon in 2010, and that was in Center City, Philadelphia, and they had a TVC tournament. Um, and I'd never played the game before. I'd watched it, um, and they're like, "Well, it's bring your own controller," and they didn't have a controller. It's like you could play on a Wiimote, and I'm like, "Is that legal?" <laughs> He's like, "I don't know." So I ended up playing on a Wiimote. Not a whole lot of people entered, and I beat one person. He's like, "All right, so this is finals. Uh, you versus Rogue Yoshi." Who? <laughs> I'm like, I didn't know this guy at the time. I'm just like, why does this name sound familiar? And I remember, I think I saw it on like the SRK tag or something. Yeah. And then like we sat down, he played, I think he played Tekkenman Blade. I remember playing Tekkenman Blade and he like threw the, um, like the little lance or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I I have no idea what I'm doing. He was like, he's like, dog, it happens. But then, you know, you talk and you explain a couple of things. He's like, so, you know, when it comes at this angle, this is when you can push block. This is what, you know, when you see advanced guard, that's push blocking. Right. So you press the, and he, like, explained a couple of things to me. So that's the first time you had someone actually explain to you things in the game? Yeah, that was the first time I had somebody, like, break down mechanics and not just what they are, but how to use them and when. Because it's like, you can read guides all day. I'm like, this is used for this. This is your, that was the first time somebody had like sat down and said like, oh, here's when you want to use it. Here's why, here's why this character is really good. I think at the time I was running like Ryu and Batsu and like Ryu and Alex, just because I didn't know much, but I'm like, I know these two characters. Right. So I tried to make that work. Um, and we played, you know, he was real cool, dapped up, left. I think I got like, I got second place. So I got like a $20 gift card for whatever they had in the merch store. I don't mm-hmm. even remember if I bought anything. I think I said, just give me the $20 and call it a day. Okay. So that was the first actual tournament I entered, even though it was a con tournament. The first local was Mayhem Madness, and I went for, at the time, Street Fighter Cross Tekken, which was, I guess, kind of halfway a pre-release thing. Um, at the time, someone was like, we have it. We can run a side bracket for it. Obviously, we can't do a pot, mm-hmm. but they just ran. I played a couple rounds of that, um, got smoked, and then I think in Street Fighter Four I got... I don't even remember. I think I got like seventeenth. Like I got, I got cooked. Like the mm-hmm. person I ran into, I think I ran into Julian Robinson, who's like one of the old like EMP heads, like in Philly. He's like he's an OG, like Marvel, old Street Fighter games, like all of that. I think I ran into him, and then I think it was, I think it was a player from Delaware. I don't think it was one of the DCB guys. Um, but they would just... This it was Delaware. Cool. I mean, they're close by. So. Yeah, they're close by. So, like, they would come to, like, mm-hmm. locals and stuff. And that's really, like, how I got to meet, like, more of the people in, like, the tri-state area. Like, Philly, um, New Jersey heads would come out. The Delaware heads would come out. And then from there, that's actually when I met Big E. It was at Mayhem Madness. Um, he came down. So, like, the Rotunda is on 40th and Walnut. Um, and the 40th and Spruce, where the Arcade is right there. So, I think a couple of guys had actually left, like, before everything was, like, all set up and run. People got there early to, like, register. Hmm. they went down and they started playing like a couple rounds of Marvel 2 or whatever and they came back and then somebody said oh yo Eric's gonna be here in like you know 10 minutes he's finishing up some stuff and he's gonna come over and he was telling people about Summer Jam they had coming up and that was actually my first major was Summer Jam 6 
Um, so I met Biggie, you know, I uh, shook his hand. I was like, hey, like, I'm following the tournament scene and everything. I've seen, like, some of the SRK posts. He was like, oh, where, like, where are you from? Like, I'm from Philly, like, just starting to go to tournaments and everything. He's like, yo, we got one coming up in August. Um, come check out Summer Jam. You know, if you got time, come through. It's going to be down to Sheraton this weekend. Uh, went, and that was when I met some, like, I think I met, like, a couple of, like, big players that were there. Um, and I was kind of, like, starstruck. With that being my first like like big major, like I didn't know what to expect. I didn't right. know who I was gonna see. Um, At that point, were you familiar with names? Of, like, I was familiar with names. Oh, yeah, people, you were watching those streams and hearing about. I was, players. and because that was all I had at the time, I was definitely a stream monster. Like even though I wasn't really chatting, like I was sitting there. I was the guy that would like come home um, after work because um, I had an after school job, and being in cyber school actually helped with that. So it's like I had my own computer. I was used to like doing stuff, and I had a lot of free time. So if I wasn't trying to figure out something like playing, like do, just sitting in training mode right. um, and like trying to like learn the ins and outs of the game, I was watching streams or I was watching YouTube videos. I was watching footage like I wanted as much content as I could absorb. Like early on, I was definitely like a knowledge sponge. So like anything that was going on. So I'd watch everything I'd watch uh, back when it was called Big Two. I would watch Big Two. Mm. I would watch Eight on the Break. Um, I would watch... Wednesday night fight. So that was always my routine Wednesdays. Um, I'd come home from work after I was done with school and everything. Um, turn on next level, watch big two. And once big two was on flip over, watch Wednesday night fights. Night fights yeah. And I remember back when Wednesday night fights didn't even have like the full overlay. Like you couldn't tell what the score was. Right. So I'd tune in. I'd be like, Oh, Kino's playing. Like I want to see, cause I wanted to learn as much about Balrog as I could. Cause yeah, that Kino character, Bar, yeah, I remember, yeah. that character gave me so much trouble. And then it was like, I see them around. I'm like, all right, great. So he's probably gonna come. Oh, that was it. So it was like, early days of streaming just trying to like find and watch as many things as i could it didn't matter what game it was street fighter mm -hmm. marvel tekken kof it was fighting games i wanted to watch it so that's how i became familiar with names and then like running into some of the guys like online um just before i started going to like in-person tournaments i would always join like when they did the srk open lobbies um and they would have like the, i remember they would stream the open lobbies yeah the be an open lobby lobbies. open 24 hours a day mm -hmm. and, and it was sometimes like, it'd be empty no one's yeah. sometimes it'd be like full and like someone's running like a win streak on there and like yeah, yeah. I, I, remember. I remember like i remember they do like the win streak challenges like mm -hmm. hey if you like break a 20 streak you know you win like a gift card if you do this if you get the 50 you can win like a te right. stuff like that yeah and i would always try i, I wouldn't get it but i would always try and like i think that's how people recognize me because back then i used to register as sataru makina which was my xbox live gamer tag mm -hmm. um so people were like wait aren't you I'm like yeah we played like a couple of weeks ago like on the um in the lobbies and that's really like kind of how i got my name out there and then I think I switched to Maestro after that. But I still had it on, like, registration and everything. So, like, when people saw it, they're like, oh, like, yeah, I know this guy. So that was really just kind of, like, how I got, I say recognized. Um, was just, like, playing the online lobbies, playing the SRK Live, like, the Peaceful J streams, all that stuff. Um, and then when I first started, like, really going, I kept the same tag. Because I'm like, well, I might as well, like, if people understand, like, oh, well, I've played this guy before. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, Summer Jam 6, that was the first time I'd gone to like a bigger tournament and i'd seen like names so it's like you know i walk in i see like oh there's chris g there's k brad you know there's crazy joe there's there's yipes mm -hmm. um there's jago like all these guys that i see like you know from streams um and all that and i was just like damn like like i was stars like as a teenager I'm like damn like they're really right there in front of me because for me somebody who didn't see like competitive gaming a lot until like i got older 
like for them they were those were like the large in life figures for me right. at the time like so i saw them kind of in the same way that i would see you know an athlete or you see somebody on tv like even if it was just logos i'm like oh shoot like you're actually here um but there everybody was cool you know that people up it was like hey so like i play such and such i'm from yeah people like showed me a couple ropes i think i had I don't even think I'd entered anything at Summer Jam 6. I think, like, I showed up to spectate, and I played in, like, a little side tournament. I played in, like, the retro room and some stuff like that. Just tried to right. take in as much as I could. Um, obviously, got beat up, but I learned a lot. And from there, like, after that, I got the bug, and I was, like, I was hooked. I wanted to go to one, like, as soon as possible. That's what's up. That's, that's a good uh, intro for you to get into, into fighting games and stuff. Um, we So, I feel like we have another problem. I wouldn't call it a problem, but right. Anyway. In, in New York, I feel like unless the event is brought to us, mm. we have a number of people that don't travel right. to events in New York that are really good, mm. right? Yeah. Is that the case in Philly? Do you, Philly has big events. Right. So you have, and you, as Philly and, and the surrounding areas, they go, to, they go to Essington, which is right outside. Mm. Uh, you have three, four events a year, mm. right? You have a lot of people in the community that don't go to these events? We have a lot of people who go to the local events. We have a lot of people who go to the big E events, who go to, like, the, um, whenever they do, like, Summer Jams, mm-hmm. NECs, the Winter Brawls, they go to those. The thing is, they might be at one and not the other, but something I learned feels like pretty much everybody works. Right. So that was the thing that I figured out early on. Like, I saw them this might. It's real life. Everybody has a job. And that was a thing for a while. And it mm-hmm. still is. Like, you know, people, they got to do what they got to do. Of course. Yeah. So it would be like. Like, we work, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I work a 40-hour a week, well, 35, uh, you know, a work week, a work regular work week, 9 to 5, mm-hmm. so to say. Uh, just, I mean, for me, it's just about making time, right? Right. Um, I mean, I have the luxury of working on Monday through Friday, weekends off, so it's a little easier for me. Yeah. Some people don't have that luxury. But, uh, but yeah. the thing is, like, that I've seen, that, and that's kind of like the law, at least with New York and New York City, we have a lot of players that are really good that don't travel. Philly has the same thing. Okay. Philly. So it's not a New York thing. It's, it's, it's not just a New York has, thing. Every community has it, I think, to an extent. But but hold on. But we're big, right there. We're right there. Is it, is, it, is, it, is it something about majors that people are hesitant? I think people do get intimidated a bit. I definitely got intimidated when mm-hmm. I went. I think it made it easier for me with it being like right in my backyard. Right. So I didn't have to go through the whole thing. I'm like, oh, like I got to book a train ticket or a bus or a plane or whatever. I don't have to fly over. Right. It was just, I catch this, this bus goes there. Get there, just make sure I'm home before it gets too late, even right. though it's a weekend. So my parents don't worry. Mm-hmm. But I think my dad actually ended up like picking me up, dropping me off. And asking. I remember like when they came to pick me up, I was like, so how was it? Like, great, I'm going back tomorrow. Like tomorrow, I'm like, yeah. So like today is like pools and I'm explaining the whole thing to them. I don't think they're really like too into it. Of course. But like but I saw like, the gear. Yeah, they support me. Yeah. And I saw the gears turning. The only thing was that was actually what stopped me from traveling for a while. Um, was just one being young and two it was just always put school first. Of course, yeah. So with Philly, a lot of it was like there's a lot of old heads, there's a lot of OGs um that helped out, but everybody in Philly was doing something. Like everybody was either working or in school, so we made it when we can. Usually we would make the big E events. Um, everybody would try for those because we knew when they were. Yeah. Like we'd have enough advance notice for that, but everything else, it was like we kind of got this stigma of like oh Philly doesn't travel. Right. And that came. That was like we had to deal with that for like years. I think. It, I think it goes to the all of all of Northeast. Yeah, because we, like we get that about New York too. New York, we, we they say we don't leave the coast. Yeah. So we'll go as far as uh, find around maybe maybe a CEO mm-hmm. or what. It, it, you never usually have big contingent. You have big West Coast contingents. Yeah. That'll come to the East Coast tournament. 
Yeah. Especially if something serious is on the line. That was the first time I met uh, West Coast players. Right. I think a couple of them came to Summer Jam, and then it was it was NEC at the end of the year. That was where I met like most of the West Coast ads because that was like the big one at the that end of the year. That one NEC, I think the one, the first one that the um, uh, where they had to change venues and they went to uh, they went to Holiday Inn, not Holiday Inn, um, the King of Prussia, the the Valley Forge. Yeah, Valley that Forge. first year there was a lot of there's like, a lot of West Coast West ads. Coast players. I, it, it wasn't anything special because I think Calcom mm-hmm. Cup had just ended. So there wasn't yeah. really playing for anything, you know. It wasn't a, a, a pro tour mm-hmm. point. But I guess they just wanted something to do. Yeah, and and they came out there, and it was not just uh, West Coast. You had uh, Chicago, Chicago Midwest uh, came, Midwest through. came through. Everyone came through. It was like every region was there. I guess it was somebody just wanted to do. It. They didn't want to come out, which is great. But I feel like the stigma that we have as, mm-hmm. as Northeast players is that we don't support a lot of national events. You know, I've heard uh, it, and, and it's funny because going back to the question. Uh, New York has a, a a thing about not going to events, mm. and like you know, we have Andy, shout out to Andy and, and DTN, him trying to be one of the first TOs to have a constant New York scene. Yeah, have a major in terms of men. And, and, and let me just say for the record, for all the crap that he gets, you guys don't know what it takes to have one of these going. So I always commend Andy for trying to do his best to bring that to the New York City people. Uh, but the running joke with DTN is that they, they call it uh, they call it a uh, next level plus ultra. Because oh, it's, yeah. it's basically all next all next level heads come mm-hmm. and, and they play and even players that don't go to next level anymore because they, they're from New York they they come out like I think I saw Reese yeah I, I, I haven't heard that name one. in years yeah and Reese is like what <laughs> you know he 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 pops up and he hasn't been playing so stuff like that shout out to Reese yeah doing good um so but but you again you guys have it in your backyard literally three four times a year uh. And I guess it's the same thing. It's when we can make it, we make it. Yeah. I felt spoiled by it. I'm like, damn, like, I got Winter Brawl. Like, with 3D Games Life, I want to meet more Tekken heads. We got this. want to meet more DOA guys. <laughs> it's, I used to hate when we talk. And I go, oh, you want to make it to uh, Winter? Nah, I'm busy. I'm like, brother, you're down the street, man. <laughs> I mean, and I get it. I get it. You're, you're busy. You're busy. You know? So that year, so when, I think around the time we first met, it was like, it was like what, that Summer Jam, right? Like, in 2012 or was 2013. Yeah, yeah. So at the time, I had actually, I had had two jobs during school then. And I worked at Lid, so I worked weekends. So mm-hmm. that's why I was like, if I knew when something was coming up, it would be easier for me to take off. But usually, like, because those are the only hours I had, if it was a weekend, I was bodied. Right. So it's like, I could make it to, like, Friday sessions if I was lucky, um, if I didn't have work. And then senior year came along and everything changed. I was just like, okay, now it's like, you got schoolwork, you got to, like, really, like, take serious. And I've always been, like, a serious student. I was like, do this, then you have to do college applications and all this stuff. And I made time for what I could. Once it got down to it, I think, like, before the end of the year, like, after we'd had Winter Brawl, I was just, like, burnt out. And I'm just, like, I have, like, I finally had a weekend off. And I was, like, all right, yeah, I'm going to go to the sessions. You know, I'm going to grind. Uh, you know, Summer Jam's coming up at the end. Of this. I'm, like, I'm finally going to grind and do all this. I was just, I think I slept the whole weekend because I was burnt out. You're just grinding. You're, and you're young. You're young. And I think it's good uh, that you're young putting all this work. Um, which is reflected in your college studies. Mm. Um, we'll get back. We'll get to that right. a little later. Um, but yeah, I've I, I always known you to be a grinder. Uh, that being said, uh, you're probably looked at as one of the people in a tournament that causes nightmares in terms of booking stuff because you play like what twenty games in the tournament. I condensed it a lot. You did condense it a lot. I did. I used to... A couple years ago, you was playing everything. I was playing everything. I was everywhere. I would play like 
two of the new games. I would play whatever game just came out because everybody else was playing it. Yeah. I would play like at least at least three retro games. Mm-hmm. Like I would enter ST. I would enter uh, Alpha Two. And I didn't see it a whole lot. Like, at the time, I would try and enter Marvel 2 whenever they yeah. had it, if it didn't fill up, of course. I would try and get on there, and then, like, basically whatever else was around. Like, even if it was something I barely played on, like, GGP, I'm like, oh, cool, they had this, let me sign up for it. The big reason for that is I had not, like, super strict parents. It was always, you know, make sure your schoolwork's done. But until, like, my senior year, where it's like my grades were high, and it was like, I was an asynchronous learner. So while I had online classes, it was like, I didn't have to go. I'd been campaigning for it for like years. I'm like, my grades are this high. My grades are this high. Like, let me just be a synchronous. Like, this will, you know, open more opportunities for me. And I was more concerned about like, hey, like I can work more hours, you know, put money in my pocket and save up if I do this. Didn't get that until senior year. So the whole thing, why I was so heavy on playing everything and as much as I could when I got the majors Mm -hmm. was because I wasn't allowed to play during the week. I was a weekend warrior only. So as soon as the weekend came, if I wasn't working, if I was just at home, I was just grinding fighting games the whole time. So I'd like I'd probably wake up in the morning, um, you know, get breakfast or whatever it is I gotta do. And then I would just be on Street Fighter. I'd like be on Street Fighter and like Marvel with my friends for like hours, just trying to learn as much as I could, get as many games as I could, see if there are any lobbies going on, um, were there any streams going on that weekend, was there anything I could watch? Because I had to condense it to the weekend, I tried to get in as much as I could. And that was the approach I took to majors. Okay. Like I got a whole weekend to indulge in pretty much every fighting game I've been playing online with actual people. Right. Let me get in while I can. Okay. So that was why I entered everything. And I kind of, I like a bit of everything. I'm one of those people, I will give everything a shot once. And if I like it, even if I don't compete in it, I'll always be down to play it. Right. You're just that guy. Just like, you're just a general fighting game fan. Exactly. I like, that's the thing. I play fighting games because I like fighting games. Right. As much as we complain about them and they get on our nerves, yeah, I wouldn't be playing them, them if I didn't love them. So I would be down to play sets in pretty much anything. Mm. Favorite fighting game? All time. One. Gotta pick it. I gotta pick one? One. Favorite fighting the game one, all time. Whether it's the one that brought you to the dance, the one that you can play over and over again, no matter how you're feeling, no matter what you're doing. What is What game. is your over... If not game, series. Let's keep it at that. I, I won't regulate to a game. Okay. But I'll regulate it to a series. All time series, if I'm gonna have to go, I'm gonna have to go with what brought me in, I'm gonna have to go with Street Fighter. Okay. Respect it. So if I had to pick that one, I was probably gonna say Alpha 2. Alpha 2, yes. That's a great game to play over and over. Alpha 2. Alpha 2 I played before ST and like most of the other retro mm-hmm. stuff. That was what like really got me in. Granted, I didn't know too much about it. Right. Um, but that was just like, that was the one I could play for like hours when I was a kid. And then as I got older and learned more about the game and actually started playing it, I could still play it for hours. Right. That was a great game. I, I love playing Alpha 2. I spent a lot of time on that game, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, people that know me know I'm a KOF fan first and foremost. Um, but I, I also know that Street Fighter brought... 99% of us to the dance in some form of Definitely. fashion. You know, and, and that franchise will always get respect from me. From me. Uh, and yeah, Alpha 2 is one of one of my favorites of, of all the Street Fighter uh, titles. So, Alpha 2 was like the first game I thought like I knew how to play. And I played, I played Riz all online and he smoked me. <laughs> like absolutely, like, it was, it was so, bad. So, so, okay, so let, let me, and I asked you with this question. So you're, you're in, you're on the cusp of, of getting to this community, mm. uh, before just before you get into that, were you kind of considered the best in your circle? Were you one of those? Not really, no. But you played. I played. 
I was the guy like at our local anime club at CCP. Mm-hmm. No, obviously younger than everybody. It's a community college. Well, you're young, yeah, young guy. Yeah. My older brother told me about it, and those were his friends that he had from like high school mm-hmm. and kept up with. So and they beat I you went. mostly. They beat me, and then I noticed when like. I started hanging around with like the guys that started taking it more seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and they told me about like where they played and then I went back, then I started beating them and then I went to tournaments. So I kind of hovered around like that mid level for right. a good long while. And I remember that I kind of, I was feeling myself a little bit when vanilla Marvel had dropped. Cause I had like a one streak going, but it was like, it was literally like day two of the game. All right. Of course. And I think the team I was playing was, like, I picked like Magneto, Dante and Amy. Just because I'm not just because I like the yeah, comedy. I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking about the competition as the game evolved. It isn't bad. It not, isn't bad. I didn't know. You, you like, have weaknesses, but you didn't yeah. know that. You just, you're, you're, I didn't know that. I'm yeah. just like, yo, like all three of them are in a game at the same time. Right, I have course. to. Yeah. Like everybody picked Wolverine, Dante, and Deadpool first week mm-hmm. of the game. Like who could blame you? I that was the first. Believe it or not, that was probably the first example of like in person salt. Cause this dude was like, oh yeah, like I've been playing it, you know, I got my copy at midnight, like I was hype, I've been playing it this whole time, and we, you know, we ran the set, I was like, yo, like, win three, lose three, next person, Um, when we had a bunch of people, and it was just like, you win three, you stay on, like, you lose three, like, you gotta get up, I think I had like, a four set streak, so like 12, I was on like 12 wins, mm-hmm. and like, he came back in the rotation, he's like, yo, so you're just gonna keep spamming Disruptor again, I'm, and I'm like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's working. It's You're working. getting hit. You're getting hit. Block, fool. Right. That's how I felt. I'm like, block. <laughs> Those are people that can't play when you, when you say that. Now, and he wasn't bad. Like, shout out to Jax. Jax, <laughs> if you're watching this, if you see this, like, that was, that actually kind of sparked that fire. I'm like, oh, like, so this is what it's like when people complain about getting hit by right. X, Y, and Z. But that kind of, like, wanted me to take him. I'm like, well, if I find out how simple it is that this works, I'm like, there's got to be other stuff I can pick up on, right. too. And so, that's when I started watching YouTube videos. So you had the fire spark. Mm-hmm. When was the first time you got humbled? Like, really humbled? Like, made you feel like you had no idea what you were doing this entire time? Because so, every, every player goes through this. Everybody says don't take online too seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, I didn't just because it's like I knew, like, all right, we're playing on emulators. It is what it is. Like, we weren't even playing on GGPO. We were playing on Super Arcade. Right. Um, it was somebody, I think I was playing, I was playing Third Strike. And that was... That's the game that'll humble you real quick. Real quick. You <laughs> don't know what you're doing. And it was just like, you know, I've watched like some of the like Japanese tournament footage. I've watched like, obviously I watched the Daigo Perry. That mm. was kind of like, oh, so this is what it's like when it's like in full swing. I'd watch that and I'm sitting there. I'm like, I don't really know like what, what I'm doing. I don't know the ins and outs of the game. I'm just like, Alex has, he has the, what is it? The, uh, the headbutt where he reaches yeah. out and grabs. Back I heavy. just see that, yeah, his, uh, his back fierce. Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm like, oh, cool, like, if I hit this, like, I have time to, like, think about my next move rather than right. automatically having it. Right. I didn't know how unsafe it actually was. <laughs> Very unsafe move. <laughs> so, Muhammad Rizal punished it every time. He was playing Remy. Oh, yeah. Punished. So, he didn't he didn't even, like, bring out, like, because I'd known him for playing Ryu, because he did that never again, like, ST played Ryu. I think you, uh, can, I think you can dash up crouching heavy on that. He dashed... Crouch Fierce, yeah, health Launched. bar, and of course he picked Super Two, the uh, Rising Rage Flat. Yeah, every time I did, de- I'm like, all right, maybe if I just wait and okay, Third Strike that set, I think we played like, like twenty games, and I just like kept like getting smoked. Mm-hmm. And he's like, come on, man, like walk, like use normals more. I'm just like, I I'm still trying to figure this out. Right, this is like before like I really get into it, but that was the first time like I got like humble where I know I'm like, okay, I 
don't know nearly as much about this game as I thought I did. And at that time, I didn't even have, like, a controller I was playing. I was playing on a keyboard. Oh, okay. Like, I was playing on a laptop trying to, like, figure out, like, what to do. Are, are you a hitbox guy? You ever use a hitbox? I've used one. I tried it. It doesn't feel bad, but for me, it's like once I went from using a keyboard and then finally playing on console and all these other things, getting mm-hmm. a pad and then playing from pad and going to stick, it's hard for me to go to... It's hard for me to go to hitbox. Like, right. stick is always going to be what I'm used to. Unless for some reason, like, no, God forbid I get, like, a crazy injury or something. Right. And then, like, the hitbox is just, like, more comfortable. I have to use it. But so far, I like it. I don't think I would switch. Okay. I think maybe down the line I would get one just to have one and just be like. I want just to have one because I have, yeah. like, a couple of sticks at home. Mm-hmm. That I have. And be able to play on, like, as yeah. many different things as possible. Because I don't want to. Also, th- my other thing is I don't like going into tournaments unprepared. Oh, my God. I, that's another show. That, that's, and that's that's I, would be, whole... I would be calling out people if I had a show on unpreparedness in fighting game community. It's like you're going to a gunfight without a gun, bro. What is that? <laughs> you know? I had to learn. Like I got a stick. And top players do this. I'm not going to say names, but top players. Yo, bro, can spend I borrow money, your stick? Get on a plane, come to an event, and say, yo, can I borrow? I'm like, no, brother. No, you cannot borrow my stick. My have where is your gun? You know. And I was that guy at tournaments beforehand. Like when I first started going, because I didn't really have this. Like I had, like I had my controller. Like I had my, but then I found out the tournaments run on PS3. Right. And this is before, like this is before, like all the Cronus stuff, like came out before we had mm. converters. Um, so I'd have to ask like my friends, like, hey, can I borrow this? And that's different. You, right. you came. It was people I knew, like yeah, local guys. From, I have complete strangers. I'm like, and I don't know how you play. I particularly, I feel I'm very controlled on my on my equipment. Mm-hmm. You know, what if you get salty? What if you know? Yeah. You, you pull the sand for next level. Like, you know, I, it, I'm like, you wanna, you wanna pay for this? You, you gonna, gonna pay for that uh, rolling, uh, rolling button that's going down the street right now? Like, you gonna hope we got a vendor I can get this fixed to get a new one right, <laughs> right. then and there? Oh, uh, what's the name? Uh, Gun. Yeah, Gummo. Gummo. Yeah, Matthew. Yeah. Yeah. He, shout he, out to Gummo. Shout out to that guy. He he fixed my stick a couple of times, um, on the fly. Like he he took it the night before in the morning. I had it. I'm like, that's awesome to have at an event. Yeah. That's so underrated too. But yeah, going back to your original quote, Third Strike, that set I played, was, that was the first set where I really got humbled. I'm like, okay, there's so much more I have to learn. And I'm like, I'm going to have to start playing on something and, else. And did it make you change your whole outlook of how you play fighting games in general? It did, because it made me realize, I'm like, just because something does the most damage doesn't mean it's good. And that was my issue. I, I, I was always the kid growing up, All hit, my hitting the heavy started. button. Yep. All my combos Why do started we have with jump roundhouse. Light, light buttons for what? When what? I want to do medium, medium doesn't do damage. They have a purpose, and you don't learn it. Until you get to that level, like every button accessible to you has a purpose and you have to use it. Because he showed me, he's like, okay, so think of it like this. Because he, and he brought up the wiki. He was like, roundhouse, 120 damage, right? Cool. Big damage, punishable. You have to jump in to hit that. If I block it, I punish you with medium into this special. That's 250. He's like, think of it as something faster. Something that's more safe. Or something that's just available to you. Something that's available there's, to there's you. There's punches that aren't available to you if you're only using heavy buttons. Exactly. You know? He's like thinking of him like, get your damn... That was the thing he told me. He's like, big damage is cool. But get heavy consistent damage. damage and possible. knowing to get yeah. your damage is better. Right. He's like, and knowing sometimes not yet, not getting damage is actually good. He's just like, if you reset the situation, okay, cool. What are they going to do? Right. Now they have to play it. He's like, he broke down stuff to me so much. Like, I got to credit him with a lot of the stuff. Like, before I even started going to locals, like, he was the guy who, like, really got me into fighting games. Right. Um, just finding, I think it was, like, a random, like, ad on, like, Shoryuken, and then he added me on Facebook, and, like, we started messaging back and forth. 
um and then we started playing so like yeah shout, definitely shout out to Rizzo he's I gotta I gotta credit him he's a guy who like humbled me but then like kept me going in the scene and like you know just going above me he's like so now he's like so now that you've played third strike how does third strike feel now and I was like bro I gotta be honest completely different like I don't I don't know what I'm doing he's like that's fine he's like now's the time to learn so he became one of my boys just like in and out constantly like whatever it was third strike STF I had questions if it was about a character or something if it was something I didn't know how to look up because at the time I didn't know how to lab he would explain stuff to me right. um and that's really what took off so once I had that that's really was like okay now I need to go further down the rabbit hole and then look up as many things and as many games as I can who are your favorite players in the community just to watch just to watch yeah so it's funny because I always considered myself as like I like the defensive style um, so I think my all time, like my all time favorite player, uh, John Troy. Okay. John Troy was somebody I watched a lot of, um, when I was coming up finding footage, like, and it wasn't like current stuff. So this is like, I'm watching like archives of like Evo 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was watching him in multiple games too. So I was watching him like play ST. I was watching him play CVS. Um, and I tried to pattern early on. I tried to pattern my game after his. Right. Um, I watched him a lot. Uh, I, I gotta say, we had a couple people on the show, West. I mean, mostly East Coast people, and they all mentioned John Choi. So that's the story. The level of respect. Yeah, we Big rivals. respect for John Choi. We, we rivals East and West, but we have respect for you West Coast guys, especially players like John Choi, because you're often mentioned, especially by people who are young and coming into the community when you're considered an OG. And at this point, you're an OG. You're young, but you're an OG. You're, you 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 pulled the tenure. I, I can't call someone doing ten years of anything not an OG. Man, okay. Like it's set in now. It's like wow, I really have been. Yeah, here a you're young and, and you're an, you're an OG. You've been around. It you, feels weird. It feels weird. You you know the time you come into this uh, community is different than the time now. Oh, and, and definitely. You watch things change. You watch people also grow around you as players and competitors and, and people. You're not the only one. Like yeah, we've watched you grow, but you've watched other people grow too as well. Saying it's like I'm in that mode now where it's like I'm kind of paying it back mm-hmm. and I'm watching newer players in Philly come up and going through that experience that I did. Right. Um, and it's great to see. And like like favorite players, like there are guys in Philly now who are some of my favorites, like MJ. Um shout out to MJ, another guy I work with. Um he plays and he was originally gonna say he switched to hitbox. He's a Vega player, played Street Fighter Five, one of the nicest guys I've ever met. He's one of my favorite players to watch. Um, always been a fan of watching like Chris G, Dominion, the old standbys. Uh, I loved watching Aqua Silk back in the day. He was one Aqua of my Silk. favorite players to watch. Um, I like watching Art, like watching Justin. Um, I remember I was, I was playing a set uh, with a teammate a while back. Uh, it had been like 2014, 20, no, earlier than that, probably like 2013. And uh, it was a uh, 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 member we had on our team. Um, and uh, was, uh, I was playing Geef and uh, he was playing Viper, yeah. and uh, still came into the chat like just watching. We had, we had a set going, yeah. And I was hyped. I was like, "Yes, I was so you know." Cause I, I, I was a big Geef fan and, and mm. Geef player in, in four between Silk and then later on um, Snake Eyes. You know, Snake Eyes is another even favorite. Yeah. Snake Eyes, uh, Van Geef. I watched all Van those, Geef. all those guys. That Dog the Standing Seven Twenty on a pad. Yo, Standing Seven Twenty. Period. Still. It's period. Like. I, I think about I don't know if you watch any of the uh, uh, Canada Cups. Yeah. Uh, do you remember the reverse uh, OCV? Ooh. Um, that that Snake Eyes did against the whole I think it was second team team, team USA. I think it was USA too. Two. Yeah. And they were they were West Coast guys. 
Mm-hmm. And um, so they had a Team USA East Coast and yeah, Team yeah. USA West. They had like two, two or three USA teams that year, and they showed out that year. Yeah, like they a lot out. of guys came out. They showed out, and I I remember like it was like he was the last one. He was the last on the team, and he f- went up first against uh, uh, Ricky Ortiz. Mm. Great player, by the way. Great all around player. player. Much respect for her. Um, yeah, Ricky, she's definitely another one of my favorites. Definitely love watching. Always Ricky watching play. like like how how smart she is when she plays, and uh, I remember like. Um, she made um, what's his name Rufus Rufus yeah. at the time, I, and I just remember like he's 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 just standing in neutral, and Rufus you know Rufus does not jump without a dive kick right, does a dive kick right in front of um, Snake Eyes Snake Eyes pulls out seven twenty. I'm he, sorry. He, he was it wasn't moving it wasn't moving he, 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 he was probably buffering yeah he was probably buffering but it wasn't moving was it? But you couldn't was, see it you couldn't see it you couldn't see it and I was like. <gasps> Like and, and like the whole the whole place blew up when they saw the seven twenty come out because because he missed the dive kick and landed in front of him and he, and like the whole place lost it and from that momentum he ran through the whole team and from that I've got because I'm so used to watching things in sequence that was a big thing about Street Fighter Four where it's usually like if I see one move I know what's coming next right. unless like they FADC or something when I saw that and Ricky missed the dive kick I'm like okay she's gonna do like short short she's gonna go right. for the reset maybe a throw. Mm-hmm. And then seventh, no, and I'm just, nobody expected because of the nature of the move. Nobody, the nature of the move, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, like can like you it, get that as an input area? Did you mean to do that? There's a way to do it. It's just very hard, but it, it's, it's kind of buffering a bunch of half circle motion. Yeah, you know, and he masked it pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something in your mind you want to do, but execution wise, it's damn near impossible, right? In I your just, mind, you wish in the day of all days someone lands in front of you on a seven twenty come out. I tried to do it immediately after the stream was over. I remember watching it, <laughs> and then the I watched it, and I was like, all right, that's it for tonight, guys. We'll see you tomorrow. And as soon as it was over, I turned on my Xbox. I'm like, how? Dude. How? I looked up so many tutorials. I probably pulled it off once or twice in practice out of, like, a million times. So and it, it's hard. And I'm going to tell you all now, we could make an entire other episode of me just going off listing my favorite players. Like, from being a content junkie when I was younger, it's yeah. it's a lot. And then, like, the Japanese players, like, I'm always, like, watching Haitani. Haitani. Oh, man. Nemo. My, um, my favorite player, especially with Makoto. I used to love his Makoto and for, like... His Makoto's... I, I was he's damn huge, good at Vampire Savior, too. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I was a huge fan of Makoto and for, because of him. Oh, yeah. Uh, he made me like that character. Yeah. Um, who else? Shoot. Momochi. Tokido. Like, it's... The list of names right. is ridiculous. One of these days, I'll probably sit down and actually make a list, and it'll be, like, probably do like a, a God's episode. <laughs> A God's episode. <laughs> also, shout out to Sanford. Sanford has always been one of my favorite Sanford players to watch. Always had my my respect as a player. Uh, a long tenure history. Um, not many people that uh, don't know Sanford. I mean, not that I know him. I don't know him right personally. I, we know each other from back in the day, but uh, we were, were never close. Right. He was a big Tekken player. Yeah. Before anything, like when I met him, he was playing Tekken three. Mm. You know, back in the day, so we—that's how far he goes back. He's, he's always been a fighting game fan, you know. We end up becoming like the Sagat main and four, um, you know, his Marvel two history. Oh yeah, you know the Santhrax days and stuff like that. So very decorated, well respected player, you know. Yeah, Santhrax, Yipes, all those, all like the New York heads that like I'd found footage watching like in the Marvel two days, and then you know, the early days of Street Fighter four, like mm. all those guys, they're just faced, and I watched so much of them. Like I have. Like I, re- I respect the the OGs, right. like the guys from game before. I've butted heads with them a couple of times of on course. various issues. Mm-hmm. Um, some game related, some not. It is what it is. But it was always, and they stay consistent too. Like even the guys that don't play, like don't compete right now, they could they could easily give you a run for your money any day of the week. 
like they stay like that's one of the reasons why I respect Kel's game like so much. Mm-hmm. Like and it's multiple games too, like that he's been solid in. And people forget I'm like, this man is evil champion, evil finalist. He's done all these things, he's won tournaments in so many different games, like you know, Street Fighter, he's been he's won in Tekken, he's won in Marvel too. Like he's like put some respect on my man's name. Right. Like everybody talks about the stick throw, everybody talks about the salt, everybody's right. like pick a top chick. <laughs> Kells is legit. Like for anybody that like you just see the memes and you've never actually see the dude play, watch his matches. Don't just watch the memes. Don't just watch arcade oh, hustling. Yeah, yeah, I mean the, watch the memes are one play. thing. That I'm sorry, Sanford, they're hilarious. I got laugh. They are. They you are know, funny. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, bro. You know, no, no respect. You know, but watch his gameplay. He's very intelligent, ahead of his time. Very smart. Seen him do some amazing reads over the. I, you know, I really liked Sanford's only run. Sanford's only run was crazy. I picked that character up. And, and thought I was figuring nobody, him out. Nobody played that character. Nobody. nobody I thought I was going to figure him out. Yeah. I thought I was going to be the one doing like people aren't really paying attention to this character outside of Japan. Right. And I think the best Oni in Japan was at the time was Wow. Mm. Um, and I remember then, Wow. 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 <laughs> wow was Wow was crazy. And I remember seeing like the God's Garden footage and all the stuff from like the Japanese Street Fighter Four channels and the yeah. arcade channels coming up. And then I'm seeing Kells pull this stuff off. He's like, Yo, I was thinking about Oni. And that was one time like I had first met Kells at Summer Jam. It was at Summer Jam, mm. and everybody reading SRK for him. So I was like, "Oh, Kells is a dick. He's this. He's that. He's assaulting all that." I'm like, I introduced him like, "Yo, I'm a big fan of yours. Watch the gameplay and all that stuff." And he was like, "He was cool." Um, I watched him play. We played like a couple casual sets, and it was it was nice. And then when he picked up Oni, my entire like view of the character changed. So I'm like, "Oh, so." This is what Oni is capable of. Yeah. And it's crazy you mentioned Ricky Ortiz earlier because I always think of that set they played. I think it was Apex 20. Apex. I was right there in front when that when I think you were there too. Were you in? I wasn't there yet. Um, was, no, he wasn't there, but we were there. I was traveling, but I wasn't able to go. All right. I think this was was this Apex twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen? Twenty thirteen, I wanna say. It was twenty third I didn't start traveling to like other stuff, like even like Tri State until like twenty fourteen. I remember watching it. And I remember like it was that probably twenty fourteen. I remember, like, that was when what we now know was, like, the flow state. Mm -hmm. I think that was one of the first times I'd seen it because I'd seen the set go by, and it was was clean. Yeah. Like, it wasn't, like, too many scrambles. It was Kells doing what he did, recognized the situation, punished accordingly, got his mix-ups, got his throws, and got got his damage and everything. And he looks, he's like, all right, he's like, no, no, that was it. That was, I'm like, what? And he had this look on his face. Like, he was so locked in. He's like, wait, it's over? And I saw that. I'm like, yo, this, this guy's actually built different. Yeah, he is. He's built different. I also remember the the exhibition run he had. I think at a summer jam when it started with uh, what's name, guys? Uh, what's his name? Aquasilk. You talking smash? Versus Aquasilk, yeah. You know, and I knew going in as a geek player, you're not winning this. I love you, Silk. I love you, Silk. You wasn't winning that. As a Sagat player, I know he wasn't. He winning wasn't that. winning that. You have to be ten leagues better than Sanford to win that matchup with Geef because he's so bad in that matchup. And I think who did he he beat after that? He beat another person before challenging Justin Wong, I think. Or was it Justin Wong right after? So this was... Are you talking about the... Exhibition. He popped off. He swept Aqua Silk. This, this is, this, 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 this is this, the one in the Holiday Inn, right? Yeah. yeah. Was it Holiday Inn? Yeah. It, it was, was Holiday Inn. Yeah. Cause, and then Kells had his exhibition run again at NEC hmm. um, when it was PR Rog and then Justin. No. That was all the same. That was all the same? Yeah. He, had, he went back to back. He went back to. I think he called out Brog right after. 
called out wrong. They came yeah, up. and then he pointed, and that's when they zoomed yeah, in. Yeah. It was just him going. And then yeah. he pointed for Justin. He was on a roll. Like he, he wanted all the smoke that day. That was on the Clarion. That, that was a Clarion. That was a Clarion. Yeah, when he called. Yeah, when yeah. it was back to back. Yeah, yeah. That was a ridiculous night because I'm like, I've seen him running. And, in and, and although, and although he lost to Justin, I'm personally going to say that at that point he must have been tired. He was you, to run sets like that back to back with top players in two different games. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, just that's something a lot of people don't get to. Like the mental stamina it takes. Like, yes, we're playing games. Fighting games are taxing. Fighting games are taxing. Especially if you're one of those, if you're like me and you're hard on yourself and you internalize every wrong decision. Mm -hmm. Like, even when you Mm -hmm. shake it off, you're still thinking Mm -hmm. about it. I could be up three rounds. I'm like, I'm still in my mind. I could have had this. Like, I could have been done 30 seconds ago if I didn't miss that punish. All right, yeah. Like, stuff like that. Him going, like, all in and just seeing it. I'm like, no, nobody's gonna fault somebody for losing to Justin Wong. No, it, especially after playing two exactly high level players before that. Especially, but no, I'm like, at no point, I'm like, if anybody tries to say Kells is washed, you smoking dust. At no point did he look like he was out of it. Hmm. Like that's the thing, and that was something that I'm like, everybody has stayed consistent. Like the bar is so high, where it's like you can't really rest. Like you can't just be like, okay, I'm good here and stop because somebody's always going. Even the guys that are at the top that we consider to be the gods of Marvel, they still play. Right. And seeing that was like, that was one of the things that reminded me why I play retro games. I'm like, there's still love for this game. There's still passion and for it. And they're still good. There's a reason why they existed in the time they existed. They, you know, they have a, a value to them. We're in the age of being able to play people from across the world even. Yeah, I, I've been wanting to play. in the uh, ballroom watching people play Marvel too. Yeah, I, I, I've been wanting to play uh, Ultra 4 lately. I've been, I've been having a craving lately, like. I want to go back and, and you know, I, I play Geef, I play um, Makoto, I play Feilong, you know. <laughs> I, have, I have feelings about Feilong. Well, CEO 2014, I don't want to talk about it. What did you run into, CJ Truth? I ran into somebody that played like CJ Truth. Uh-huh. And then I ran into CJ and he was like, oh, no, you got to do this, that. And like, CJ broke it down to me after. And I'm like, I would get this information after I lost. But it's like, I'm fine with this. I'm okay. Hmm. Um, him breaking it down actually really helped. And that was that was the moment like when I first started traveling because this was CEO 2014. Mm. So I think Ultra had just come out. Who told you to be traveling at that age? Huh? Who, told, who, who gave you permission? So huh? here's the thing. So this is, where, this is where we start getting the whole kind of student stuff again. Okay. So with me saving up my... I had missed out on so many tournaments that I'd wanted to go to. And then I'd been watching them for so long. Uh, I'd made a deal with my parents. Hmm graduated and graduation was great because it was it kind of felt like that culmination like how everybody feels like when they win a tournament when they're on stage they're like when you that's how i felt at graduate because i'm like everything that i worked for was like right then and there was on display right and i pretty much like cleaned house like national honor society three years running uh got an award uh High class honors for grade point average. You hear this guy? All of that stuff. This guy puts in work, so I don't want to hear excuses, man. Okay? And that's something like I've always valued. Like even if I like drown in bracket, it happens. Am I gonna like take accountability for it? Yes, mm-hmm. but I know that there's other things that I'm good at, and I have to give myself credit on things. But that was one of the things I did. I'm like, I want to travel. I want to compete. I want to do all these things. So like, okay, how would you feel about a tournament being a graduation present? I'm like. Cause it's just like yeah, we support like as long as you get your school done, like and then we're talking about like actually like traveling, like going to something. And I'm like, wait, are you serious? I'm like, you playing? And they're like, no. 
Because, like, at that point, you get to a certain point in the year, it's like, everything's pretty much done. Mm-hmm. You know you're going to graduate. You know you're going to be done. So we start talking about this in, like, February, March. And I'm still working everything, saving enough money. And that was it. And then I find out the real reason. So my parents, being who they are, mom and pop, love them to death, they are, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be doing any of this. They were like, it's not that we don't trust you. It's that, one, we don't trust other people, obviously, but it's also a case of, say if something does happen. It's it's parents. It's parents. parents. You're a minor across state lines. So if something happens and you get caught up, it's now completely different. The moment I turned, my birthday's in January. So January, I turned 18. I was not grown, but it's like, I'm like, okay, legally. Legal adult, but not fully adult. adult. Not fully adult, but I can can travel. I can do more things now. And it's like. Okay, and like, well, you're grown now. And then I was able to stay over. There was that winter ball that I stayed at. And I'm like, okay, now you good. Because beforehand, even stuff that was in my city, they wouldn't let me book a room and stay overnight. Right. Well, because it probably didn't make sense. You were in the didn't city. make sense. I was in the city. Yeah. But it's like, they didn't understand the experience of like, okay, after the bracket, like, there's this, so there's matches. Yeah. Stuff might run late. I was like, oh, I got to like, go home. Ah. The after bracket <laughs> food runs, like, all yeah. of that stuff. Like, I was, we were making those at like 8 o'clock instead of like midnight because I had to leave. All right. But they're like, no, well, you're 18 now. You're actually an adult. So, like, we're fine with you staying over and stuff. And then that took, like, the next week. Like, we went from being able to stay to, like, okay, now you can travel. Mm-hmm. So, I remember it was CEO as my graduation present. And then I would saved up money to go to Evo. Was that your first time out of the state? That was my first time flying to a tournament. Okay. It wasn't my first time out of state. Um, my first time playing out of state. It was still in the area. We went over to Jersey for a local. Okay. Um, but that was my first time, like, like going to like fly to a big major. How's CEO compared to other events? I'll be honest. I'd watch CEO, and I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, like this is you no know, a huge production. But then I got there, and I'd see people that I'd seen at the tournaments before. So it kind of had like it had this weird like all tournaments for like a family reunion. Right. But then when everything was in full swing, because I got there, I think like Thursday. So I think I'm like still like setting up and everything, and then I see like I see they're like building the ring. I don't see it fully. Mm. Then Friday hits, and everybody's here, and I walk in that ballroom Friday morning, and I'm like, because I'm used to looking at it like on stream. You don't get the scale of it when you're looking at it from the stream. And I walked in, and I just kind of like, I paused for a second and took everything in. I'm like, yo, like this is really happening. And I kind of like, I had to read grandma something like, yo, like relax, dog. Like you got to play, like get focused. I didn't like I'm not gonna lie I was still like I was still kind of shook yeah. but just seeing that like CEO has like this vibe that's all its own that Jabali is kind of put together um, yeah. and it's one of those things like being like kind of like the geek that's in a little bit of everything so seeing like fighting games mixed with pro wrestling pro wrestling which we're fans about we're big, big fans big fans of pro wrestling I'm wearing a pro wrestling hoodie yeah. right now <laughs> shout out to Joel to sleep um, whenever you see stuff like this it like it hits different it's like I'm not alone anymore. Like there are people like there are people who are not only hype about this, but they get it. They're fully into it. And seeing that, like seeing the ring and people make entrances. CEO is one of those tournaments where it's like, I would tell people if you have the opportunity to go, go like there are certain tournaments where you can say they're like, there's generally the same experience. You know, you have your brackets, you have your exhibitions, but there's little things about there's little things about the production, about the people, about, how it is the overall vibe of the event, the feel of it, the ethos. Like, mm-hmm. there's this always, like, core ethos and, like, really what they prioritize. And with CEO, 
it felt like a production. It felt like a show. Mm. Where I'm like, am I really here just to like play? Like people are, you know, they're going off. Like people are getting hype. I remember when they had like the cage. Um, it was like it had a vibe all its own. I'm just like, I've seen the competition of fighting games. I've seen it be put on display. CEO was the first time where I felt like I'd seen the spectacle of the community. And like, it wasn't just gameplay being put on display. This is where it's like, this is where you let your personality out. So I think CEO was kind of like that. It felt like this weird playground in a sense where it's like, if you want like off the wall fun and like, even if a guy goes on too, but he has like a crazy entrance or something, whenever he gets into the ring, like people are going to remember that. Like, that's why I say like, if you have the opportunity to go like CEO had a vibe, like no other. And I wish like I could like, replay that experience for the first time over and over again it was just it was especially with that being like the first major like the first like major i traveled to not really knowing what to expect other than seeing it on stream like going to orlando and seeing that and i'm like wow ceo was it's it's hard to explain it's one's like if you get get the chance hopefully we can post covid if you get the chance please experience it go back and like i tell people if you're part of the community and you've never gone to the major I always have people like Jemani, everybody else, talk about the experience as to why we should go. That being said, if you were able to make top eight and get your entrance, what would you do for your entrance as CEO? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I get this question a lot, and I've got it more recently because people started me. So now I was at Combo Breaker. Um, we were sitting by the pool, and I was putting something on Snapchat, and I was like, Yo, with the town wall, you look like Samoa Joe. So now everybody's saying I got to do the Samoa Joe entrance. <laughs> and don't you know, I thought about Joe. it. Okay, Joe, 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 Joe. See, that's going to sound different. Joe. I don't know if we can get away with that. I wouldn't call you Joe. Right. Joe. But Joe. I think if Joe. I had to do it, I don't know. I've had like a couple ideas that I've kind of like been kicking around in my head. Just because it's something everybody thinks about. Whether you feel like you can make top eight or not. Seeing, watching CEO makes you feel like oh, you can make you top can, eight. You, you want to think about it. You, you just feel like, I want cool that goal. moment. I yeah. want that spotlight. Like, this spotlight. is my time to really like lay everything out. Like, yeah. I can be me, but I don't necessarily have to be me. Right. You know that? I can, I can put on this persona. I can put on this public performance that I can play up and all those things. Mm-hmm. And that's... I think that's the beauty of fighting games. If I had to make my entrance, I would probably do a little bit of a throwback. So when Triple H was doing his heel run, mm-hmm. uh, thinking like 99 or 2000, when he didn't use my time, it was the one entrance he'd made where he used the instrumental version, higher brain pattern. Okay. I would probably use that. All right. Because I think at the time that probably would have like, that would have fit me best right now. I don't know if I'd be able to pull off Alistair black, but I'd love to try it. I can do it. I think I could. Have some guys uh, have the lights out. Have some of us dressed in black so they can't see us. Kind of just lift you up. <laughs> I think because of now how long I've been in the scene, I have friends that are willing to do it. Now I'm like, okay, I could probably pull this off. But yeah, it'll probably be definitely definitely higher brain pattern by Triple H or uh, Root of All Evil, Alistair Black. Nice, nice. Nice, good choices. Good choices. Um, just to stir away from Judge C for a bit. Uh, we are, on occasion, we talk about this from time to time. Mm. Um, what's your thoughts on wrestling right now, being a wrestling fan? I barely watch it these days, to be honest with you. Like, I still have the network because I share it with one of my homies. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the time, I just, it's so easy for me to tune out. 
it's like the G1's going on right now with New Japan, and yeah. I barely watched it. I think I've seen, like... I don't, I don't have access to New Japan. I would definitely love to watch, like, the G1. I had it. I, like, I watched, like, two matches. Like, I watched the replay, because I couldn't watch it live. Right. I watched, like, two matches and been kind of, like, tuned out to a lot of things. Like, now that I have, like, time to actually sit back and watch it, I still just, like, kind of don't. Mm. I think the product is simultaneously getting better, but I think the industry is in, like, the business is in the midst of a huge shift. Not just because of COVID, but because now everybody has a platform, a streaming platform. You know, um, they're using Ring of Honor has, like, Access Fights, um, Fight TV, right. um, AEW with Fight the thing, TV, the, all the, these the, things. The time of TV deals is not needed anymore. Before, you needed a, a big TV distributor. And they still go for it, right? Like, yeah. Like AEW has, has TNT. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, back in the day, the, the Monday Night Raw, Raw yeah. and stuff like that. Um, you know, but then you have, again, New Japan, which if you live outside of Japan, you get to watch the streaming service. Yeah, New Japan um, World. Uh, Ring of Honor, you mentioned. Um, there's other ones, I think. Other smaller indie. There definitely are. There are yeah. a lot of places that do, like, there are a lot of, like, wrestling companies that, like, stream on Twitch. Yeah. I found that's that out. That's a great move. That's a great yeah. move. Yeah. Like, House of Hardcore, Tommy Dreamer, they, they stream on Twitch. Mm-hmm. Um, Impact streams on Twitch now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's become easier to become a wrestling fan. For me, it became harder because despite the fact that wrestling is, like, still on TV but away from TV, it's more accessible the less I watch TV, the less I watch wrestling. Right, that's where I'm at now in TV in general. I, you know, before we used to be glued to our TV because mm. the shows came on a certain time, and you had to watch them at that time. Now with streaming services, I can watch whatever I want, when whenever I, I want. I don't need to be at the TV when it comes on, you know. And I catch up when I catch up. So yeah, yeah. That, like I'm not like tuned into like current storylines and all that. Right. Um, I've heard like a couple of things just because usually whenever you're scrolling, you know, somebody posts a link, you see it. Um. If there's, like, a really good match or, like, some of my favorites are going, like, say, if, like, oh, like, Ricochet had a really good match with such and such, and Mustafa Ali did this. Yeah. They go or, back and watch it. Yeah. Right. Or, like, when, I think at the time I was, like, kind of out of it, but when Shane Strickland went to NXT and now he's uh, Swerve Scott, like, yeah. that I watched. Like, if there's a really good match that I want to see. They changed his theme song, so I don't like it anymore. He did. When he came, when he first came into NXT? They changed it again. They changed it again, yeah. And it's like, I don't know if it's because of CFO. I stuff. think they're changing all the CFO themes because yeah. that's why they changed the Alistair's. That's why they changed Keith Lee's. Keith Lee, like, yeah, yeah. It's like, ah, horrible. Yeah, horrible. So all of the stuff. Um, like, I'll watch stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, like, if I want to catch up on NXT, I will. I haven't caught up in, like, I'm behind by, like, months at this point. I, I probably wouldn't say this five years ago, but the only reason why I'm really watching WWE right now because of Roman Reigns. Like, I, I hear, he, I hear love he's doing what good they're work. doing with him right now. It's working. It's dope. It's dope. Like I might have to check this out. You know, and I don't know. It, it's just one of those things. Like it's just you know, if you're a wrestling fan, you need to tune away for a second. Check out what Roman Reigns has been doing. If you haven't figured it out or heard about it, it's, it's really good stuff. Because even as somebody who considers himself kind of like a smart mark, but not to the point where I'm like, you know, like deprecating about it, or I'm right. like browbeating. I'm like, oh, this is, you know, I can't. I can still get caught up in the spectacle of it. Right. I can still suspend my disbelief for a bit. Like, I like when wrestling is fun. It doesn't take itself too seriously. Right. I like when it does take itself. It's all about balance. Some people are good at, you know, this is kind of, this is larger than life. This is a spectacle. Somebody's like, this is more grounded where this is a business. But these, it's not two guys. I'm like, hey, I don't like you. I'm like, I want to be the best. You want to be the best. But at the end of the day, this road ends with, like, stuff like that, storylines right. like that, I like. Um, so I've kind of, like, gotten more into it. But just, like, it's rare that I'll actually, like, sit down and watch it, like, week to week. Like, I'll catch up on it, like, in bits and pieces. But stuff like that, like, I usually, I can, like, say, okay, I'll sit down and I'll watch this. Right. I get that. That definitely 
a, a cool factor on being able to watch TV the way you want to these days. Yeah. Being in front of it. Um, I, I know you got things to do today. I don't want to keep you too long. I do have one more thing I want to touch on. Sure. Um, we we talking about it earlier. Um, how did you use the fighting community to get yourself uh, a paper done uh, in college? Like how did, how, tell me about that whole story from start to finish. So whole story from start to well, finish. Well, okay. Well, the, the short parts. You, you, the short part. I'll give you. I'll give you the bullet yeah. points. Yeah. So I started thinking about this around my. I want to say sophomore year, but just kind of like thinking, just kind of right. like I wonder what it is I'm gonna do. And, I'm and, and what did you do? What, what are you in college for? So at, so I um, actually an anthropologist. Uh, I got my bachelor's in cultural anthropology from Arcadia um, back in 2018. So that was also another like big year. Like every time I graduate. It's like that's when like I kind of go ham. So like 2014, graduated, two majors back to back. As a young man, I had the energy to do that. Right. Now I'm a little bit older, not as old, not old, but not as young either. And I'm mm-hmm. like, there's IRL stuff I got to do. I probably won't do that again unless I'm being paid handsomely for it. <laughs> but um, it was just this idea where I think I'd come back from the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd spend a semester out there. My First semester, fall semester of my junior year, um, I spent that in the UK, and I had a course called Popular Music Cultures um, that I did uh, while I was at the University of Sussex. Um, also, while I'm speaking about it, shout out to the folks over in Brighton. Um, at the FGC over there. I'm like, please don't let me have brought my stick across the Atlantic <laughs> Ocean for nothing. But come to find out, um, there's a bar they played in, found a local. Um, I still talk to those folks like regularly i try and do it somewhat regularly still check in with them um still hit them up still talk about stuff but i think it was when i was there and we had like a term paper that you know everybody you always have a term paper to do they're not really big on tests um in the uk system it's a lot of papers especially if you're in anthropology right um anything in anthropology or cultural studies they're big on papers they're big on essays it was like okay here's the material we get that you can say oh who did this who did that can you understand it and my thing that I decided to do for popular music cultures was discuss ubiquitous music. Um, it's music that you hear everywhere. And I kind of made this argument that you could use fighting game music as sort of ubiquitous music. And the two examples that I gave were uh, the Street Fighter 3 Third Strike soundtrack and some of the mixes that had been done for Street Fighter 4. Um, and I remember talking specifically, it was a remix I'd actually found on YouTube one night. Um, it was Skull Kid's remix. Uh, it's called the Love Mix of Beats in My Head by Lane. It's like this Afro beat. You have the Mongos, you have the Jimbe, and all this stuff. I'm like, this has a basic four on the floor pattern that you hear. And you could take this and you could play this in a club. You could play the beep in a club. Um, Remy's Third Strike. And you could play, these are songs that you could play in a club and not many people would catch. I'm like, people in the know obviously be like, wait, I know this, but I'm like, okay wait this actually like this works it has all the elements that you would associate with like a popular what they consider a successful uh club or a dance track and when i broke that down my professor he's like i didn't expect this and i at the time i did like like an interview over like messenger um just because i wasn't back home um i'd hit up risey k and risey k for those of you don't know um he's a music producer but he samples like a lot of video game tracks um so i talked about when he sampled uh super mario world when he did the track admiration he sampled the game over theme and asked him like what is it like he's like there's so much sampling that goes on um in music especially in hip-hop and rap music 
because um, a lot of those producers they are into stuff like this like they were those kids growing up watching Toonami and playing yeah. fighting games and all this so it's like when I heard the Sagat laugh on groupies on Future's Dirty Sprite 2 I'm like wait <laughs> what I'm like you can throw these things in there and make it it's like fighting games like like the music but also gaming in general like and then they're talking about Del the Funky Hoba Sapien and Protoculture okay and they're like this stuff is like it's almost like we're going back to the nineties where fighting games were everywhere. And I'm like, that is I'm like, do you mind if I quote that? He's like, No, bro, go ahead. And that kinda I started talking about that because my advisor, uh, Dr. Church, he asked me when I came back. He was like, Hey, are you still doing like the fighting game thing? Like you still competing? Because he knows I was doing that. Mm-hmm. Um that was kind of what I got known for on campus, other than generally having a resting angry face. <laughs> or I was like, Oh, like usually like he plays fighting games and all these other things. Yeah. Um, that was what I know for because sometimes like when we did like gaming club, I would have my arcade stick with me, and people were like, "What in the world is that?" Because there are still people who haven't seen it. Right. So he asked if I was still competing. I'm like, "Yeah." Like I even like ran into a couple of locals and I was in Brighton. He's like, "Have you thought about doing that for a thesis?" And I'm like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Like, what's the story of it?" And he's like, "Not just like some like, you know, this guy goes in. Here's how he plays. Here's the character he's using. He not match history." Not a play-by-play. What's the story? Like, who are the people playing the games? I'm like, wait. And I started thinking about it. So, into my junior year, I started putting together the project, my spring semester. And once we got there, I think uh, I was originally supposed to start in July. So, the summer, everybody says do IRB beforehand before you actually know what your project is. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people in senior seminar who don't actually know what they're doing until they get there. So if you're doing interviews or anything, you have to go through IRB, you have to get it cleared, you have to get a research certification. Once he said that, I knew what I wanted to do. It was just a case of building it. And I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it for real. And for me, it might be a little bit easier because I'm going to be talking to people in the community. I have that rapport already. So I had that insider take on it that I was able to provide. Um, so my, my research, my undergraduate thesis, my kind of like, I guess, magnum opus, you could say at this point, um, is a, most undergrad thesis are about 35, 40 pages. I turned in, I, in April, I turned in a 65 page with citations and everything, a 65 page behemoth wow. on the full title of the project is cultural combos. You wrote a whole medical journal, man. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned medical journal i had to resubmit my irb and say hey because i'm doing interviews on discord and storing my like interview recordings in google drive it's not HIPAA compliant i'm like i'm not getting any health information I'm like i know but because you use the platform you have to do it so that was research stuff pain in the ass would never want to do it again All right but now kind of since i don't have to i'm thinking about like doing another like i want to do a continuation but it was just an ethnographic narrative of the competitive fighting game community and the reason why i wanted to single out competitive is people always talk about like fighting games from like a business standpoint but not really like the people who are playing them the personalities the stories and all these things that come together and what i loved about anthropology um we find like that truth and beauty and the meaning and then there's the stories like the people we find it in the stuff that often gets overlooked um, you know, sociology deals a lot with numbers and statistics and figuring out demographics, you know, populations and all that, but we don't really necessarily get the whole story. Right. Anthropology is about finding the story. Ethnography is about finding the story, building those relationships and going from, you know, becoming just from an informant to now a confidant. 
this is somebody who's like you have a relationship other than just being interviewer or interviewee or researcher and subject or observer and subject. I'm like, okay, these are people I have before prior. And now it's on another level because I'm like, it's not this you've shared your experience with me. You help me build my work right. just by letting me know what it was like the first time you stepped into a tournament. So that was my thing, like telling the story and being able to make it accessible. Um, that was another thing I had an issue with. Everybody talks about anthropology kind of being this ivory tower i wanted to change that not necessarily in breaking i'm like okay if we have a tower can i build an escalator can i build another how can i make this read not just be a good paper not just be a good academic piece but how can i make this so that somebody else will read it somebody else who doesn't know anything about anthropology or fighting games can understand this right. so like because my advisor she he asked me he's like I get this, but he, he always did video game research. Right. So he's been clued into this. Then I go into senior sem where I have my two professors. They're just like, we don't know what any of this is. Like they can break down race and crime statistics, gender and sexuality studies. That's their, you know, right. that's their wheelhouse. But because fighting games are so niche. Fighting games are so niche. Video games in general. Yeah, like, so niche, yeah. And it still is. It still is. Yeah. Like, you know, she played a little, she has her, um, her son, uh, Lucas, she played with him. Like she, she was telling me about how like she played MKX and like she was a Devorah main. Mm. Like before she even knew like what are the terms are. She's like, oh, I use her all the time. I'm like, oh, that's your main. She's like, yeah. She's like, what's a man? I'm like, that's like your main character who you use. And then we start talking. So I could see the gears turning with her. Mm. Other presser was completely lost. Right. Not then a game when, at all did understand and i'm like okay so i gotta break this down even further so i'm gonna have to talk about street fighter 4 i'm gonna have to talk about why this is so big i gotta talk about the arcades all of this and building that narrative from the arcades to prime time from we were just playing in bodegas we were playing in pizza shops laundromats seven lines wherever we could find it and that also ran a narrative that gets overlooked a lot which is black people and people of color in gaming and that was something where I'm just like, there's so many angles I can take with this project. There's so many windows I can open. Where for me, I saw it as more than just, yeah, I'm going to talk to my friends about fighting games and you'll write a paper on it. But I took it to another level. I'm like, I have a chance to do some damn good work, not just for the community, but for the anthropological community, for the academic community. I can kind of bridge those gaps together. I can bring light to something. Because an issue I had, when people talk about competitive gaming, I hear StarCraft, I hear League of Legends, I hear Counter-Strike, you know, all these, all these big, what they call the big esports games, all on PCs. It wasn't until, and I, forgive me if I'm rambling here. No, totally fine. Forgive me if, I, if I'm like, getting a little tripped up. It was, I'm trying to remember when we first got DirecTV, because I was watching the World Cyber Games, okay. and then I was watching Championship Gaming Series. Championship gaming series was the first time I saw Perfect Legend. Yeah, they did a lot of DOA. Mm -hmm. It was DOA. Yeah, that wasn't the only time I saw fighting games like on TV, right. like in competitive, like showing a tournament. I think DOA was the first thing I ever seen on fighting games on TV. Mm -hmm. It was uh, DOA four, so yeah. it was Perfect Legend, uh, Jeremy Black Bomba, uh, EMP Black Bomba, and then uh, Ninja CW Chris Harris, rest in peace. Um, those were. But that was the first time I saw people like me that looked like me in a competitive gaming atmosphere. Not just as host, not just as talent, but players. Right. So if I'm watching League, if I'm watching StarCraft, I don't see people that look like me. I, I was talking with uh, uh, Nisi B. Curtis today, mm. uh, and we, we touched on that because he was a, a FPS player and he played um, some Rainbow Six and stuff. And w w we put out there that those games at the time, especially in the mid-early 2000s, 
you didn't have a lot, a lot of black players on, on those teams. It was Mm-mm. predominantly white players. Um, it's changed a little bit. A it's, little. A little, and not much. Kind of like how we're slowly breaking into hockey. Right. A little bit. But it's, it's getting there. But I, I can tell you, it was a handful. It's probably like maybe one black kid for every thousand white kids that played FPS at the time. And I got my start with FPS. Kind of yeah. like how Yabs got his start when he said he was playing Unreal Tournament. Yeah. I was big on Halo. Uh, Modern Warfare 2 and Tribes 2. Okay. So those were like my big games. Um, and also it was a benefit of being a kid in cyber school. They send you a computer. Oh, yeah. So yeah. my work was done. I'm just like, okay, <laughs> this game has been out for like a couple years. I know it can run this. So yeah. I was sitting there before I was playing fighting games. I was playing Tribes 2 and Star Wars Battlefront. And that was like my entrance into like the competitive atmosphere where I started being taken more seriously. Did I win any tournaments with that? Not really. I had a couple good performances, but it's like. It's stuff that people aren't going to remember. It's not, like, really recorded. Right. And then when I started playing fighting games, I'm like, oh, there's, you know, there's streams, there's archives, there's tournament history, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was when I started taking it more seriously. But as far as, like, this for the project, it was like, we have been overlooked to the point where people think we don't exist. And this was also me kind of like, yo, like, I got an opportunity. I'm going to put it on for my people. Right. Like, fuck what you telling me. I'm going to make, this is my project. I'm the one I put in the work. I'm going out there. I'm doing the interviews. I'm going to make this the best damn project possible. But my thing is, you're not going to talk about this without talking about Philly. Right. Don't talk about this without talking about New York. Right. Don't talk about it without talking about SoCal and um, Street Fighter National Championships, all of that stuff. Daigo versus Valle. And um, that's another player I forgot to mention, Alex Valle. Um, their legendary set at the Alpha two, Alpha 3 yeah. uh, World Finals um, that they had sitting there. I'm like, you are not going to tell the story of fighting games and tell it accurately without, without talking about the contributions yeah. that black and brown people have had. Mm-hmm. And Asians, Asians too. Asian yeah. folks too, you are not going to be able to talk about this without the contributions that people of color have had to the scene. There is no scene without them, really. Yes, agreed. Like when I tell people, I'm like, we are the heart and soul of the scene. I don't mean that to be arrogant. I'm like, when we talk about the passion, right. the pop-offs, the personalities, this isn't, you know... Everybody's always had that big argument of esports versus grassroots when it came to the FGC. Again, right. you could do a whole episode just on that. Mm-hmm. I sure can. I told people, I'm like, if you go and you look and you watch this stuff, this is where I saw people that looked like me, that sounded like me, that acted like me. And I don't mean like being wild and crazy. I'm like, they thought they kind of had that swag and they had that accent where I'm just like, these are guys I'll probably see hanging out like in the neighborhood, like, yo, yeah. what's good? Like, on my way to the store, mm-hmm. whatever. And then I've come to find out. You mean to tell me this guy I've been hanging out with, you know, such as, damn, he's the best. Like, it was like that when I met Demon Hill. Yeah. I was like, wait, you're. Philly legend. Philly legend. Philly. I'm like, wait, you're, bro, like, we still to this day, like, East fucking coat. Like, we say all that shit. You're just like, word, that's great. And, like, we're talking the Xbox Live party. Yeah. It's like, that's how I met, like, Kenny, Holland, here, like, all those guys. And I was like, bro, like, we still say that shit. Like, the impact we've had on the culture. You can't talk about fighting games without telling that whole story. Right. So the so to get back on track, the paper was just me saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it well. So I'm going to talk about the history. I'm going to talk about the contributions we've had. And in doing this, the more I got into the research, the deeper I got into the community and being able to form these bonds, not just within fighting games, but also in the academic community. There are some scholars I was able to talk to um, and kind of get their feedback and use their work. There was Dr. Todd Harper. Um, and that was another big reason why I wanted to do this project. People weren't talking about fighting games like that. His literature was the first one I found. Um, it was a study of digital fighting games. Um, I think it was practice and performance of digital fighting games. Um, 
that was like one of the few things that I found. And that's why I knew I was going to have to do interviews. It was going to have to be an ethnography because trying to find existing literature on the topic, it was difficult. And then what it meant to be black and be a gamer. Uh, that's where I read in the work of Dr. Kashana Gray. Um, shout out Dr. Gray. Um, started following her on Twitter. She followed me back and now we still occasionally talk about a couple things. But I was able to find out how deep this really went. And she talked about in her book, I remember tearing up um, reading it because it's like, Whenever you find something like you can relate to this, it always hits different. Right. She talked about um, interviewing people who are playing like on Xbox Live um, and playing popular titles like Halo, Call of Duty, Gears of War, all this stuff. And it's like, what do you hear when you're playing these games? What are the things that people say to you? And they're like, they're saying the N-word and all these things. And they don't even know who I am, even if I'm using the microphone yeah, it, it, and that's, that's the wildest thing I've ever encountered, like playing Call of Duty and someone just... Why are you throwing out the N-word? Exactly. And I'm like, you. there's no way you know who's on the other Ooh, side. You don't know who's on the other side so, of this controller so or the screen. are you that hateful? That, exactly. That, and they're like, oh, I'm mad. I don't like this being a heated game moment. I don't yeah. want it to just be written off as a heated game moment. Right. And that was another thing. I wanted to change the perception because everybody has this like idea of gamers, of guys who sit at computers for hours a day. And I'm like, these are guys I see in the arcade room like actually talking to each other, being social. Right. Fighting games are one of the most social genres there are. You right. have to, if you want to play, you want to be good. You got to speak. You got to go. You got to speak to people. Yeah. You have to go in person and play. You have to go to an arcade. You got to go to a game center, wherever it is. You got to play other people. And not to say your online warriors can't, but the experience is different. It's different. Nothing will ever beat face to face competition. It's just like if you want to get good, if you really want to get good, and you want to stay, go to your locals. Like I don't mean to be on the like support your. Go talk to people. We, we we stress that all the time here. Talk to right. people. Find out. Ask questions. If somebody doesn't want to answer the question, or somebody there's somebody who can. There's somebody that can up. and will. Like for, sure. for as many dickwads as we got in the scene, mm-hmm. we have so many good people that are super helpful. Yes. And I've tried to be one of those people because I don't want people to have to go through some of the stuff I had to go through. And I didn't have it as rough as other people. But I don't want you to feel like you're stuck in a sea of information with nowhere to go. I'm like I'm gonna tell you. I'm like. Don't worry about like trying to worry about this form and that form. Here's this page you can go to. This is an app that has frame data. Okay, when you do this, this is here. This can show you what your options are outside of this. Hey, this guy has a video that's really good to watch. If you want to ask somebody, instead of just sending people to Discord and they're like, they don't know what to do, I'm like, talk to this person specifically, this person specifically. I want to tell people, so I'm like, we have so many resources. I don't want you to feel like you're getting lost. I think you'd be a much stronger player if you had access and know how to use it. I want to help you. I want to pay it forward. That's really just, that's all I wanted to do. I wanted to pay it forward with my research, with my gameplay, with helping people out. And thankfully I was able to do that. So it was, it was a blessing and just saying, you're not telling this story. I'm going to tell this story and I'm going to tell it with the people that I grew up with, the people I've seen and try and do it as accurately as possible. And so far the reception has been pretty good. So if anything, all I've ever wanted to do is to be able to give something back and I think with this body of work, I've somewhat been able to do it. Not completely, but to be able to say I've gotten so much from fighting games. I've been able to travel, go to these tournaments, do different things, make friends in damn near every state in the U.S., so many different countries. That I felt like I had to do something. Like I want to represent fighting games in the community well. Because I feel like it's something that's not done. You know, Every time something bad happens, there's an article. But nobody's right. talking about the donation drives that we do. Nobody talks about the passion that goes in like... This is why he popped off so hard. These two have been going back and forth in multiple games. This is regional pride. This is years of people being told this is America's game, where you have Filipino champion Cambu River. 
aren't even from Philly or anywhere close to it. You got a guy from California and a guy from Chile squaring off in Pennsylvania. How is Caden, somebody who's not even from this country, the hero of this story? Performance. Performance and perception. So I'm like, I'm going to get deep. We're going to talk about it. I hope you enjoy the ride and try these games out for yourself. And if anything, I hope you've learned there's more to fighting games than just hitting buttons. That's all I want to do. Awesome, man. Awesome. I appreciate your time here today. Uh, I'm sorry taking enough of it. Uh, last thing I'm going to ask you is to pay it forward with some shout outs. <sighs> Shoot, this is actually me alone. Because so, there's so many people think. Obviously, shout out <laughs> to y'all. Shout out to you, KPB. Um, really welcoming me. Um, there's so many people I have to thank. You, uh, Steve Rage, um, Coach Steve. Shout out to Coach Steve. Shout out to Andre from Bifu Techie. Um, spooky all those guys that I were able to talk to not just to put together the project but just in general that I've chopped it up with um shout out to Xanos being one of my best friends in the community like from this point on uh Gil Game shout out all the New York homies uh Philly we might not be hanging out in person but as soon as we get back I am going to be at locals wild and out saying the most out of pocket shit while doing 60 second <laughs> orbitals bet on that um shout out to the Tekken scene Philly Tekken is a thing that people had talked about for years and I never got a chance to see it. And then Tekken seven happened. And it blew up right in front of my face. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, like there is, there's a whole lot of list names and I don't want to get too bogged on going down the list, but just everybody, like if I've chopped it up with you at a tournament, if we've played, if we've hung out all these things, like there is, there's no maestro. There's damn sure no oval team without any of y'all. Um, just thank you for, you know, allowing me to be a part of it. And thank you for being along for the ride. Um, I owe y'all, I owe fighting games a lot and fighting games have given a lot to me. So really thank you all. Um, hopefully once all this pandemic foolishness comes around and finishes up when things are safer, we can all chop it up again yes. in person. Cause I, I miss all of you awesome. very, very dearly. Like without y'all, there is no me. There's no maestro. There's no, there's no award winning thesis. There's no there's scholarship. No, there's no KPB. There's no Rod Prime. No without rage. y'all. There is yeah. no fighting game community without the community. Right. I don't care if you're a pop monster, if you go on to, it has to happen to somebody. I don't care if you say, well, I'm more of a casual. That's fine. That's what we need. We need people who have passion, who play. Everybody has a spot here. Doesn't matter. Women have a spot. Anybody, whether straight, gay, trans, whatever, non-binary, everybody. And if... I don't mean to sound if it's hostile, but if you are going to try and make it feel like fighting games aren't the spot for people, where they have to hide who they are, we're going to have some problems. We're going to come see you. We're going to come see you. You don't, you, you don't want me and Rod to come see you. You don't <laughs> want that. <laughs> I, I that told issue. Rod I was going to play KOF and forgot to play. He had to see me, and I didn't enjoy that. <laughs> so that's going to be my way of paying it for it, making sure people stay stay safe and yes. making this community welcome. I want people to experience the same love I got without having to go through the hardships. Just because I had to struggle coming out, I don't want you to have to struggle. Struggle in bracket. Don't struggle trying to find community. So that's it. Give back. Much love, and thank you all. Appreciate it. Hit us with that uh, social media, man. The Ovaltine Poppy. You can find me on Twitter at Juju underscore the Maestro. Uh, Instagram Juju underscore Maestro. Um, those are really the main socials I use now. Um, I stream on Twitch, Juju the Maestro. It's not too many fighting games these days because I'm broke, boys. I got a single monitor set up. It is what it is. Um, but you can find me playing Destiny, some of the stuff on Fightcade. 
Um, if you ever have questions, whether it's about fighting game related stuff, if it's about if there's anybody that's interested in doing academic work with fighting games, please hit me up. Um, I kind of had to go through the trenches to find stuff, um, but I can definitely point you in the right direction if this is stuff you want to cover, um, discuss how to do an interview, all those things. Let me know. I want to be as helpful as possible. I might have gone 0-2, but the cash award came with that uh, prize for the thesis, so I've made more writing about fighting games than playing them. <laughs> so I might be the guy to help you out. That's what's up. Thank you, man. Thank so you, much. Man. Appreciate, Appreciate you. you. Guys, we'll take care. See you soon. Thank you for watching KKB Cast. This is Rodimus Prime. Until next time, stay good. Check your oval team. <laughs>